So hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. And I keep on saying this, right? Sometimes I listen back to myself and I think, Simon, you said it again. Have I got a treat for you? Well, that's because we only have treats. We only have people with huge hearts <laughs> and a huge passion for, uh, for, for adoption. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Astrid, Astrid Castro. So Astrid is uh, uh, an adoptee. She was ado- adopted from uh, Colombia. And uh, she also runs, she's the exec director of an organisation for called Adoption Mosaic and she has put her whole heart and soul into the adoption space uh, following an earlier career as a snowboarder so that makes her pretty unique I don't think we've ever had an ex-snowboarder on on the show Uh, and what a what a what a transition from snowboarder to uh, uh, general all-round uh, adoption expert and thought leader and yeah um so welcome to the show astrid thank you thank you so much and i have to say um we should put xx like it's been that many years that i should probably get two x's for how long it's been since i've um been a snowboarder but yes it is it is on um my list yeah do you snow you don't snowboard at all anymore then or just it's uh, it's no longer even um, very much of an accessible hobby um, at this point. Um, it's uh, to drive up to the mountain. I live in a place that it doesn't snow a whole lot, and but we do have a mountain nearby. But just the amount of money and time and energy uh, to do it just doesn't really make sense. No. Yeah, so it's, it's an expensive thing, and uh, I was supposed to be going skiing this this week um which is an expensive thing and it's even more expensive when your male uh, your your mates bail out on on the skiing trip and you bought a ticket uh and um and and, and, you know skiing on my own is not something that i want to do not as fun no no it's not not really fun so hopefully we will go i haven't been skiing for like five years but yeah snowboarding i've never tried that um i'm it took me long enough to get something okay on skis, right? So yeah. I'm not yeah, going yeah. back to the bottom of that learning curve, snowboarding. Yeah. Well, I was a snowboard instructor before I became, uh, I did any competitive racing. And, uh, and I have to say, I actually think I enjoyed more teaching people how to snowboard than actually competing, which oh, maybe wow. says something about my personality. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about others, yeah. So, can um, the the name of the podcast is Thriving Adoptees? Mm-hmm. What what comes to your mind when you think of Thriving Adoptees, rather than Thriving Snowboarders? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thriving Adoptees. I think about um, mental health and being. Um, in a place where you can talk about your adoption, your adoption experience um, in a, with language, with um, clear communication, because you've been given that language and you've been given the ability to uh, express your emotions around it. Uh, those are, to me, those are huge feats, unfortunately, in this work. I think that there's so many of us who are still very new to this language 
uh, and new to expressing how we feel about it because we haven't been modeled what that looks like, right? So when I think about thriving, so I, I myself, there are certain aspects of my adoption where I think I'm more thriving than in others when it comes to my personal experience of my lived experience of being an adopted person. Um, so, you know, I thought I had everything figured it out, figured out, and I, I, I knew how to respond to any question that anybody had about adoption. And then something happens in my life that changes all of that. Uh, for example, 11 years ago, I found my birth mother. And uh, even though I was 11 years ago, I was doing the work that I'm doing today in some capacity. I was an adoption educator, so, uh, supporter of uh offering support and education to adoptees, adoptive parents, birth first parents, uh, and so forth. And, and I had heard at that point, I had heard so many experiences and stories around adoption that I felt, oh, if I ever find my birth mother or go back, you know, there's not, what surprises could be there, right? And I found a huge surprise and I've spent the last 11 years unpacking that and figuring out and navigating that and figuring out how to be a thriving adoptee within that lived experience. Because I don't have, there's not a whole lot of people ahead of us who have modeled to us what it looks to, like to be open and uh, expressive of how we feel about it. Because we sometimes we don't even have the words to talk about how we feel about it. Yeah. Wow, you, you said the word unpacking. There's there's quite a lot of unpacking there. Um, I'm going to go back to the top of what you said, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try something out that I've not not I'm not I'm not actually mentioned done this before on the podcast, and it's just kind of spooky because I've done about I don't know 140 of them. So first things first, have you heard of a guy called Sydney? Banks, if you heard that name. Sydney Banks, that doesn't Sydney sound Banks. familiar. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he was a uh, Scottish welder um, that uh, from, from Glasgow, which is a tough part of Scotland, uh, who, who um, uh, emigrated to, to, the, to Canada and worked on Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver Island or, or one of the islands? Um, okay. No, something, something spring, something spring islands near Vancouver. Uh, 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 Salt Spring Island, Salt Spring Island. Okay. And, and he also, he worked on a, he worked on uh, in a, uh, in a factory. I think he was a welder and he was adopted. He, he died, right? He, he died, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. Uh, and, um, but in the kind of in the seventies, he had, he was an adoptee and he had uh, he had his kind of an enlightenment experience. And one of the phrases that he says is everybody's living in the middle uh, of great mental health. I'm not sure if he used the word great. He used the word every impure mental health, something like that. Only we don't we don't realize it. Okay. And, and I thought, 
I had, when I heard him say that, I, I, I was watching him on a video or, yeah, I was watching him on a video. And then a bit later on, I thought, I found out that he was adopted. Mm. And I thought, wow, he doesn't talk much about that. Because he wrote, he wrote loads of books and mm. he, um, he did loads of videos and did lots of sessions. And, and, you know, he kind of, he has taught people who have now taught people who have now taught people. So there's like two or three generations of, of people who are talking what he talked about, what he talked about. And he was adopted, but everybody's living. I think he used the word perfect. I think everybody's living in, in, the, in the midst of pure perfect uh, mental health only that they don't see that and he also said something like if only we could um, realize if only we could not be afraid of our experience that would change the world does that does that mean anything to you because it kind of means stuff to me, but I, I've listened to a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, that notion, if only we could not, if we, if only we could realize and not be afraid. Um, I think what comes up for me when I hear that is, I think oftentimes we're afraid of the unknown, right? And when I hear that and I relate that to adoption and the adoptee experience, I think about how many things we are left in the dark with, how many things we have not been given a platform or an opportunity or uh, a listening ear, an informed, educated listening ear, right? Which sometimes means a therapist, sometimes means a consultant, maybe sometimes it means somebody who um, has done their homework or has their own language and, and there's some common ground. Uh, I don't have to explain, you and I don't have to explain to each other the lived experience of being an adopted person, uh, yet we have you know very different lived experiences. So there's a baseline and so when I think about fear and um, if only if only we could realize and not be afraid, I don't think we can realize and not be afraid until we've been given language and a space to whether it's our bodies or our minds or words and language. Um, sometimes it's just healing just to be sitting with somebody that you know has a lived experience that's similar to yours, right? And we talk a lot about at Adoption Mosaic, we talk a lot about adoptee isolation. And we also talk a lot about racial isolation. And those two things combined for those of us who are transracially adopted, interracially adopted. Um, I think about, I think a lot of the spaces that we're coming from is that isolation. And so we don't have a space to realize. And so the realization can't ex exist if we're not given space to, and then the result of that becomes fear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what comes up for me. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of a better way to express what I've heard from this guy and people that, um, that have 
learn from him and learn from people that other people that learn from him right so one of the metaphors that they use is kind of um uh, a, a like a, a i think i don't think it's kind of a buddhist buddhistish metaphor mm. so what what they'll say is you know we're in the middle of we're in the middle of perfect mental health only we don't realize that what he one of the ways that he would express that would be through the, a metaphor such as you know we're we're the we're the we're the sky okay that that's who we are uh, that's the truth of, of of who we are and that that sky is hidden sometimes behind clouds right so um, if we say anger, so if I talk about my own um, uh, adoption stuff and my own stuff in life, right, I would say there's, there's been clouds of anger, right? So you could look at that, uh, you, could, you, you could say, right, well, it's a massive, dark storm cloud um, that's, that has obliterated not obliterated yeah uh, obscured it's completely covered over the whole of the sky and it's been dark and foreboding and it's com completely hidden me whereas there's been other clouds of feelings and, and, and thoughts um so insecurity for example mm. which isn't quite as scary as a storm cloud um and it, so you can, and it's not quite as all, in, it's not quite as all encompassing and it's not completely obscuring the whole of the, of the, 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 uh, the sky. Right. Okay. But the, and, and we're, as, as human beings, we're focused very much on the clouds in our life. Mm -hmm. So you you could say the cloud of in you could say the cloud of insecurity that I mentioned is very uh, is very pro is, is very closely aligned to the uh, the the the, uh, the cloud of um, not knowing ignorance like we're curious we want to know stuff that we feel there's been but all those clouds right whatever the cloud it doesn't actually change the sky. It doesn't change who we are; it just hides who we are. And um, so, does that make it? Does that make any more sense? Um. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. I. I guess. Um. I guess what I'm hearing you say is is that um there uh that your your interpretation of this is that there's of of um. Sydney Banks uh, quote around um, that everyone is living in or has access to pure, pure, perfect uh, mental health. We just don't realize it is, is that be beyond the cloud, there's clarity, there's blue skies. There's okay. Sky. So let me make a, let me, um, let, let me make a, a better, let me try and make a better fist of it. Right. So, um, who we are mm -hmm. is it is the sky and that represents perfect mental health 
Okay. okay. So, okay. Mm -hmm. That's the, that, uh, and we don't realize that we don't see the mental health for ourselves because it's hidden by the clouds. So, but if we're the sky, um, then we're above the clouds. Yeah, but we can't see that. We can't. We can't see our innate mental health, which is the nature of the the nature of the sky, because the clouds get in the way. We get. We get. Uh, we are not our feelings. We are the um, the background on which our feelings uh, are. We are on the backgrounds on which our feelings appear, yeah. and. Um, and because, uh, but but as some, it seems to be something to do with the nature of, of of who we are as humans, that we're focused on our feelings and our thoughts rather than the 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 um, the, the the pure the purity the pure mental health that we are behind all that. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think that, um, and this might just be a philosophical difference between the two of us, is, is that I don't think we can separate our feelings and our being with from our beingness. So I think that oh, okay. the, the clouds, the clouds very much encompass um, a part of who we are and living with like existing without the clouds is, I, I don't know that is um, something that I would aim for in my own life because I think the the clouds and and I being able to identify them and eventually getting to a place where I can identify them and understand them and um and uh and exist uh together and uh, cohesively and um right. and allow because to me I think we spend a lot of time talking about um how to exist without um without the the darkness of um of the the things that made us who we are or uh and i i can tell you i have a lot of clouds uh in my past and in my history and uh and i've learned how to talk about them i've learned how to uh, share so others can learn or that i can learn from others when i do share like i'm constantly learning about um about how to manage i mean i'm, I'm just sticking with the metaphor of clouds but how yeah, to yeah. manage to live in unison um, yeah, because yeah. clouds bring rain that nourish nourish the earth that um that are so vital to the existence of of everything that yeah, is yeah. on this planet i mean if we're talking if we're if we're gonna go beyond that um i i can say i'm i'm i probably um not at in a place where i can talk beyond that but just the the idea of embracing and holding space for that yeah. is is so important can can you see now why i haven't raised this topic before with another with another uh, adoptee because it's a tricky one right it it is it is and and i think that it it does take some thinking as far as how how we sit with ourselves and how we sit with the the hard parts of ourselves the darkness the clouds the emotions the feelings the joys the the both and so we also talk we're talking a lot i feel like in in adoption land and adoptee land we're talking about the both and so yeah. much these days right and i'm sure you've heard of this yeah you mentioned as well 
you you mentioned this last time when we were speaking and mm. um and and I, as you were speaking i i thought of uh a, the, the kind of the, the next stage on so the so the the first stage is is one of um separating ourselves from our thoughts okay um and then and then once that separation has has and bearing in mind, I've been doing, uh, I've tried cloud management. Okay. <laughs> it didn't work for me. Um, I, I, uh, but I've been, uh, you know, I've been separating. I've been separating myself from me from the cloud, right, for probably 12, 13 years. And that's kind of that's stage one. And then it's about embracing. It's about going back in. So I'm not talk uh, as I expressed it to you. I only express kind of phase one. Um, phase two is then going back out into into the clouds, in, into exploring the feelings and uh, and the thoughts and, and digging around in there, but with less danger. So it's a bit like um, enjoying a film. Because we know that uh, the, um, the, the uh, we we know it's a film. So if we once we we cut, so we're not we're not we we're, we're out. We at the first stage is is being a little less involved in the drama, mm -hmm. and then the, the the next phase is actually getting fully engaged in the drama. So um, one of the ladies, uh, one of the mentors that, that I listen to at the moment, she says. That you know, some people will go to uh, go go to a movie, a scary movie, and they know they're going to be scared, right? They, that was the point, and they're they're um, if it's if the movie's not scary enough, then they complain because it it wasn't scary enough, right? So the, the you know it's like fear sometimes will pay to be scared. Like I've, I've been to when I've been to the uh, first time I went to the states, so. 42 years ago, whatever it was. Um, we, I, I went to Disney World in, um, uh, in, in uh, California and I went on the, you know, the runaway train ride, whatever it's called, um, Thunder Mountain, to be scared. You know, it's like sometimes we, we, we pay to be scared and, and then sometimes we're like, well, sometimes I, I pay to be scared. My parents paid for me to be scared, right? But sometimes I'm scared about being scared. You know, I used to be wor I used to worry about worrying, um, and mm. uh, but, but it, you know sometimes we actually want to be scared. Some something some I don't particularly like horror movies, but some people do. You know, so it kind of depends. Our attitude to our own fear um, is is dependent on the context in which the fear is going to be. Yeah, but well, what, what I'm what I'm hearing is is that a big part of that is is um, being in control of of when you get to say I want to I mean saying I want to pay to get on this roller coaster because I like the adrenaline and what comes up yeah. for me um, in that and um, and you know your partner who says yeah no I'm gonna sit this one out I'll sit on the bench yeah. and I'll watch you from over here thank you and I don't think Perfect. either one of those people right are are, are are right or wrong or better or worse or any of that it's it's 
I I'm the one who's going to pay pay the money to sit on the the for yeah. sure. Um, definitely. I I love me some adrenaline. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So, but but being able to be in control of that, um, I think, is the big the big difference. Yeah. And and we're not in control, are we? I mean, in uh, reading um, reading the Primal Wound, whatever six years or so ago, you know, one of the things that uh, that uh, Nancy Vario says that you know that we all want to control stuff. Adoptees, well, she said adoptees want to control stuff, and I thought, yeah, well, that's me. And then I thought, well, everybody else does too, right? <laughs> it's uh, it seems to be part of the human condition. The desire to, yeah. uh, to to control control stuff, yeah. and and we and when we feel like when my clouds are out of control, right? <laughs> it's yeah. scary as hell. Yeah, it's scary as hell when our clouds our, our clouds are are totally out of. I I, I yeah absolutely, and I just want to loop back to what you said as far as. Um, when you read the primal wounds, um, and I know you have some some strong feelings about that, yeah. uh, and so I, I'm I'm not suggesting we jump into that. Um, I haven't read it for a while, but um, what I remember is is that yes, you're absolutely right. You read that and you're like, oh, I yes, that's that relates to me. That absolutely speaks to me. I I want to be in control and. Of course, every, you know, I mean, that's the human, for most people, most people don't like to be out of control all the time. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who, um, so that sentence or that phrase, um, that concept relates to most people. Yes. I think the part that doesn't relate to most people is, is that so many of us started our lives off with zero control, right? In chaos and started our lives off or, or whether it was in chaos or um, in, a, in choices and decisions were made that we are still living out today that we didn't have any control over around okay. being raised in racial isolation or parents didn't, didn't speak Spanish and we came you know at four and a half and six years old only speaking Spanish. Like, when you when you write that down on paper, when you hear that out loud, an adult to an adult, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to not have a system in place for if we're talking about child-centered adoptions, that we don't have a system in place to help a child who is four and a half and another child who is six years old get on a plane by themselves, meet new parents who don't speak the language and not have an interpreter for at least the first two months or however long, right? Yeah. But back in that, back in those days, there was all this concern and worry that, oh, well, then they might attach to a translator as opposed to the parents and God forbid, and uh, you know, all of this. And so, so I think that what I read when I, or when I, when I hear you repeating that, as far as that's, notion of everybody wants to be in control so uh so kind of what's different from us to everybody else i would say it's the reason we're still talking about this and that a lot of other people aren't is because we we started off in our existence with zero control of decisions that are still harming or hurtful um today 
Yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two uh, incredibly valid points there. And I think um, there's, there's the, yeah, I guess I was thinking, are there two things, chaos and out of control? I mean, you, you know, you, there's, there's um, the, the out of control emotions and then there's the, the, the out of, then there's this situation as well. You, you've come from one, you've come from one place. Did you say you traveled on your own? You, sorry, you so and your we, sister. You and your sister yeah, were, on, were on your own. Well, they, they put us, they gave us an escort, um, but this person, we didn't know this person. It might as well have been yeah. another person sitting on the plane um, who escorted us um, to uh, to here, um, but she wasn't one of our so caretakers. So that's got to be a really, really scary, really scary experience that, um, and, and, and as you say, a total loss, loss of control. And and I guess for it, it it's uh, if you I was thinking about other uh, other kind of chaotic environments that adoptees may have come from, mm. like, uh, people they're adopted from uh, adopted out of care, you know they've come from they've they've they've, they've been all they they've been adopted out of care they've been they've been like in the UK you know, and I'm sure it happens in the states now kids that are actually removed. They're removed. They're removed because of neglect, because of abuse, because of issues with their um, um, birth parents. So there's that's an out of control environment, as opposed to the shock of the two different environments. and uh, this is real life, people. Uh, Astrid's just muted herself because her dog's gone. Uh, yeah, the dog's gone out of control. Maybe just some somebody's arrived, you know. So, um, so yeah, you've got the control thing. Uh, where so all these all these backgrounds to our uh, our own adoption experience are obviously completely um, different. I didn't go through that, and as a, a white guy adopted by white folks i didn't have the, the that other layer of complexity and so i can't really begin to understand that kind of racial isolation that you're talking about so all, all these early start pieces early start histories uh, are about a, a, a lack of control whatever it is and, and therefore we're seeking to we're seeking that control and we're also seeking, seeking information. Often we're seeking information where we're curious or we're curious to put it mildly, or we are desperately trying to get to the bottom of the, what happened to us in the past and why it happened to us in the past. And all that all adds up to a whole load of insecurity. Yeah. 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 And, and I think about, I, and I'm not sure if, because um, we were talking about both and, I think you were, you were going to um, maybe mention something or we were, we had talked at a couple of meetings ago about some, um, that concept of the both and. Um, so I don't, I'm, I don't know if this is going to derail us, but I, I just want to say 
this unknown, the concept of this, un the unknown, right? That um, so many of us adoptees exist in, uh, not knowing the full story. And it's really interesting. I think I lived my entire life imagining that I was going to find my birth mother and she was going to clear all of those cobwebs, get rid of all those clouds you're talking about, right? And it just was gonna be this like magical moment where she was gonna tell me, answer all the questions that I had. The one thing that I didn't take into consideration was that she is human and that she's a human who has lived in whatever her of her own traumas and her own experiences that don't allow, haven't allowed her to retain the information that I thought I needed in order to be a whole healthy person. And so when I met her, I had my list, right? <laughs> my list of my little checklist. Okay. So how long did you nurse us? Um, how, what, at what age did I walk? What age did my sister walk? Cause I was adopted with my biological sister. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of these like basic things, cause I, by the time I had met her, I had a child of my own. And so I had all of these birthing questions and walking and feeding and solid food and this and that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing now because the ridiculousness of both um, me thinking that she would be able to retain this information that I only retain because I have the comfort and the privilege of not having the chaos in my life that she had at that time of losing her two babies, right? Which superseded everything as far as her needing or wanting or to manage memories about how old we were when we walked and how old we, how long we nursed and how, what birth was it, you know, cesarean or vaginal or, you know, all of these things that I was just so curious and wanted answers. I also wanted answers to some of the, um, the hard conversations around how she lost us and what relinquishment meant and, um, and, and the whys and what our first, my first four years of my life and, um, and the, some of the things that my sister had remembered um, around living with her. And, um, but I thought to myself, I'm not gonna ask those really hard, heavy questions because I'm gonna go ask these really easy, these really easy, non kind of non-emotional questions, which she, she doesn't remember, she doesn't know. Um, and, so what I think the journey that I've been on in this last 11 years has been about how do I live with, and I'm gonna, I'll bring this back to the both hand. How do I live with myself in joy and happiness and, and excited to wake up and live every single day with the, the both of, I, I deserve the answers to these questions and I will probably never get them, right? So that both and of living in the, that existence um, is what so, I think so many of us adoptees have to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, you, 
I'm not a Buddhist, right? But I'm going to bring in a, a Buddhist thing here, right? Um, it's kind of, uh, it's detachment. It, it, it's about de detachment. So, so for example, um, uh, and, and that only comes from an insight. So I, I was very, I've been very attached to stuff. Mm. Uh, like material stuff or emotional stuff or both? Uh, I, I, I don't think I've been attached. Well, kind of. It go, uh, I had an expectation, right? So I had an expectation that certain things were going to make me happy. Material things, okay. So, um, and it, and then through insight, I realized that they hadn't, okay. So I'm, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking material things and I'm a bloke. So I'm talking cars, right? I'm talking Porsches and Lotuses and things like that. Um, and um, uh, so I had an, I, so I, I didn't really have an attachment, but I, th I thought that they would and then they didn't. I thought that kind of material success was going to make me happy, and then it didn't. Mm. Is the big one, right? For me. Okay. Um, emotional stuff, yes. To very attached to very attached to emotional stuff, um, uh, and but kind of right now, uh, and well, no, over the last ten years, I've been very attached to making a big difference. Mm. And, and I've also been attached to making a living by making a big difference, right? And I've been very uh, cheesed off with before I, before I came into the adoption space professionally, I was, I was doing work in elementary schools, nothing to do with adoption, but everything to do with kids' happiness. Mm. And emotional intelligence and um it, I, you, you'll have to clarify something i think it's yeah. a language thing you said cheesed off cheesed off oh yeah pissed off oh okay okay yeah <laughs> thank you for yeah. clarifying yes yeah, okay uh just a bit of uh English, something new just Br now. british british idiom there yeah so i, I the, the 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 stuff with the kids was great um they, they uh, inspiring the kids and empowering the kids and and and, and helping them realize that um, yeah helping them realize helping helping them empowering them to make their dreams come true and and whether that dream was a you know something in the world or something in their heads or their hearts so you know football player or be happy being happy not being immune to other kids making them upset right doing that stuff was an absolute dream and i loved it but i couldn't get i, I couldn't get the the, the schools didn't the schools the schools didn't really seem to appreciate mm, the, 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 what the kids what the kids when the kid the kids had shared great insights and the teachers didn't seem to react didn't seem to be impressed by that, they didn't seem to be impressed what, by what their kids had learned. And, and that made me really cheesed off, and, and, and really, really pissed off. And also the fact that the schools, although they said 
that they really cared about their kids' happiness. Their actions, to me, didn't stack up. They, they, they didn't match with that. It, they, they, if they cared about their kids' happiness, then they would have been all over me like a rash, yeah? They would have wanted more. They, wanted, they would have seen what the kids got out of this stuff and wanted more, and they didn't. So when I sent them, so I was really attached to what they, so I was attached to making a living out of it, and I was pissed off that I couldn't make a living out of it, right? So now it, it took, you know, like I, I, I really, really struggled to see that cloud. Yeah, I, I, I struggled to see that cloud. Uh, and I got glimpses through it. I got glimpses of it. And then I, you know, and, and now um, I've come into the, uh, I've come into the adoption world on, on, on the, on the, and I'm not attached to it. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I want more people to uh, listen to the podcast. Right. I want to do more um, more speaking engagements with partners. I want to do that, but I'm not attached to it. So, hmm. well, not as attached. You know, like there's still a little bit there that you know it, it, it kind of comes and goes. But most of the time, it's not there. I, I've so I've recently um, decided to kind of like um, cash in part of my pension. So I'm taking away any pressure whatsoever on the on the i'm taking a taking a practical action that means that i can throw myself completely into Mm. making a big difference in the adoption world but have nothing on it Mm. Mm. that's that's detachment so what does that mean to anybody you know like i'm thinking you know it's about that expectation thing so when we go into so when we go into when we go into a, a search, when we go into a, a, um, um, a you know like a, a conversation with a, a, a bio mum, to you know if if we can be if we can want the answers as you say, uh, and be okay with not getting the answers, then we kind of setting we then then we're setting ourselves up for success. Whereas, you know, you see a lot of people um, in who are pinning all the hopes. All, all, all the hopes are, are, are there and, and that uh, this is going to be their, this is going to, this is going to, this is going to save them. It's gonna the end them. of the search, the end of the search, mm-hmm. the end of the search uh, is going to, and the answers to the questions are, are going to make them happy and that, and, and, Oh, and, and then the and then they're setting themselves up for a tough time if it doesn't work out. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I I think that one of the biggest problems that we have in this in in adoption and in, in this uh, industry as far as what could be really helpful is is knowledge and um 
and, and modeling and having others that have walked this path and those others being in a space where they have the language and are able to share their experiences. So this next generation has a, at least a platform. They can change the platform, you know, from, from you know, pebbles to, um, to wood, to marble, to what, you know, whatever. And my hope is, is that every generation will change that platform, will help us get to a place where we can have deeper conversations about these things. Um, and that me sharing, you sharing, us having this opportunity that you're doing this podcast and, and giving and creating a platform in a, in a sense. And that my hope is, is that people will hear these conversations and say, oh, so now when I go do a search, I don't, won't have the same expectations perhaps because I've had somebody help me plant a seed in my head of maybe what it looks like if I don't get those answers. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to destroy me. It doesn't have to um, make me feel unwhole, right? I don't have to feel fragmented. Uh, and that's not to say there aren't, you know, I mean, it's, it's not a cakewalk. I don't, it's, not, it's not something that um, there aren't days that I still wish that I had uh, the answers. There aren't days that, you know, my, I just talked to my birth mother this last weekend and I, she started telling a story about when she gave birth to me and I was taking notes like crazy. And, and so then I could piece it all together later. Of course, I still want those things just because I have found some, a, a, a way to live with the unknown doesn't mean that I, I wouldn't invite the known to come in if it came knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're talking about the platform, um, I, the thing that came into my head was kind of like our grounding, how, how grounded we are. Did, does that? Does that... Um, that, that, no, I'm, I'm talking more about like the space in which we give others to share their stories. Okay. Right. So, oh, that platform. Okay. Yeah, that platform. Exactly. And um, the the one, um, yeah, grounding ourselves and putting our 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 roots into the into uh, the ground and the earth and acknowledging that we came into this world in the same way that everybody else did. Um, but because we're not born to our parents, that concept is is challenging for some. Um, that grounding uh, feeling in the that I came and I am a part of this world in the same way everybody else. I was, you know, conceived and born, and but I don't live with the people that um, that birthed me and uh, or that I'm biologically related to. I like to talk a lot about legacy. I don't think that that's talked about very much um, either. Is um, and and I know where we probably don't have time to jump into that, but maybe. Uh, you and I can have a conversation about that is um, what does legacy building look like for us uh, adoptees and um, and I, I have lots to say about that yeah and that's that's part of this part of this big picture right 
Yeah, I want to go back to this search thing just to share. I, so I, I started my search. Um, I, got, I got the original birth certificate with my birth mother's name on, I don't know, eight years ago. And, and then, I, then I stopped. Um, and then I picked up the, I, I, I picked up the search again, right? Mm-hmm. As a response of, as a response to sheer terror. Mm. And me not, uh, well, I, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to stop this. I, I'm not going to let my fear or my terror of rejection in inverted commas again stop me searching mm, okay which is a bit of a weird one what what um you've done you you've done far more in this area what 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 do you see in terms of the emotions around um, around search and reunion around at, at the well through the process what what do they what do they look like and yeah. and, and how do they differ for different people because mm. i think it, it's it's kind of validating to hear people who feel the same way as us but it, you know, I've I've been outside of the well, yeah, and within my adoption story and within other areas of this, I've been coached a lot, and and a lot of coaching. You've been, you've I've, been, been coached, I've been oh, coached. Well coached. Uh-huh. I've been coached. I've been coached a lot, and and part of uh, part of a, a coach's role is to uh, question from uh, with empathy and respect. Mm-hmm. to encourage us to question how we feel right so if we we go into these places online right and everybody validates where we are that sometimes doesn't help us move on right so i i believe that um it is important as um as my from my position as somebody who places herself as an adoption professional. Um, I'm, I am an expert in what, what I've learned up until now. And I say that that way only because I don't like to say I am an expert in adoption because there's so much to learn. This next generation is teaching me so much. Uh, and uh, in order for me to say that I'm doing a good job, that I'm doing I'm serving my community that I believe that my job individually, and I don't, I'm not saying that I think that adoptees should be doing this necessarily. I mean, I think this is probably a good thing to do in in life in general, whereas I have the people in my life that are very in line with the way I think, right? I could be talking to myself, you know, kind of thing. I, there are these people who confirm, yes, there are other people who think like you or, and you're in line with a a certain community and a certain group of people. It is really critical for me 
in order for me to exactly what you're saying in order for me to grow and continue to to bring new thoughts is for me to go outside of the people who are in line with me so i have mentors in my life that uh, I very much consider my mentors that think very differently than I do, that um, are educating and teaching me about um, different ways to look at this. Uh, that's what makes me a whole rounded uh, professional when I, when, I think about, um, when I think about the difference between something that makes uh, someone who identifies as a professional versus somebody who has a lived experience. <clears throat> and uh, so back to your question around search and reunion. So Dr. Joyce McGuire Pavo, uh, if you're not familiar with her, she's fabulous, um, a, a true mentor of mine. I've known her, uh, I think for 25 years. Um, she wrote the book, um, she's a psychologist um, and uh, she wrote the book the family of adoption. And she once, I saw her in a presentation early back in the day, and she said, why are we always putting these two words together? Search and reunion. They're two different words. They're completely two different words. They're two different experiences. The search is one, and we have to hold space for that. And the reunion is another. And by putting them together, it almost makes it sound as if one happens and then the other is bound to happen. But that's not always the case. A lot of times we search and that's the end, right? And we don't, the result isn't reunion. And that doesn't mean that it, it's a, successful or not successful. We just put so much weight on the end result of a search needs to be a reunion. And we know, as you know, with the work that you're doing, sometimes it's searching for self, it's searching for understanding, it's searching for answers, it's searching. So when I hear you say, X amount of years ago, I started this process and then I, and then I slammed on the brakes and I said, whoa, I'm not doing this. And then I came back and said, nope, I'm gonna take control over this um, terror and I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue this search. Um, I think is so many of our experiences that we start it and oftentimes I believe because we don't have the support that we actually need uh, to continue it, um, it does get scary or it gets um, overwhelming or it gets, oh, I'm just not, you know what, this is, this is too much work. I, I can't stop my life and dedicate myself to becoming an investigator for my own personal history on how I came into this world. Um, and uh, I myself am, um, I started the search 15 years prior to finding uh, Carmenza. And, um, and so I like to, the analogy that I, that I experienced was I put my big toe in this, what I didn't know, I thought it was just gonna be a warm Luke pool of water that I was just gonna be able to like slowly go into and acclimate and jump in and that would be that. 
but I put my big toe in and it was this pot of boiling hot water that I like quickly pulled my big toe out and said, yeah, no, this is too, this is too much. I actually don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and, uh, and then I slowly was, um, continued the search, but just like putting my big toe in again. And then it became my whole foot. Then it became my whole leg. And eventually I got to a place where I, I think I had decided that if I don't ever find um, my birth mother, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have to figure out what that looks like to sit with self with never completing this reunion that I thought was going to answer all my questions so yeah I think it's a very common thing I think we're all whatever we're always searching for happiness and and we see different routes to to that happiness whether it's um uh whether (laughs) whether it's a Porsche (laughs) whether it's a reunion whether it's a glass of wine, I mean, we're we're also we're always searching for happiness at the ultimate thing, and we always think we're always kind of like, in to a lesser or greater extent, we're investing our happiness in a in a particular outcome. We've got expectations. That's kind of where we are. And uh, I, I love your metaphor of uh, of, of the of, of pulling your toe out because the water was boiling. Um, uh, <laughs> And uh, the the thing that came to my mind, I was talking about going to um, Disney uh, like 43 years ago. Uh, it was this time of year, roughly this time of year. It was it was pretty hot in in uh, in LA, and I dived into a pool which I thought was going to be warm, and it wasn't. And it was absolutely freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm quite a swimmer. I just steamed to the other end of the pool, jumped out, and went right. I'm not going in there again. It's absolutely freezing. Um, the uh, the, um, the 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 you know search and reunions. So uh, yeah, what a what a what a great perspective to separate those into two things because they are two two separate things. Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, uh, I I did the search and, and and the reunion didn't happen because my birth mother died fifteen years before I um, before I started uh, the search so there was no there was no reunion uh and yeah you know that's uh, when we're really bad at predicting how we're going to feel in certain situations when we, 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 we we're really bad at predicting how we're going to feel when x or when y happens or x or y doesn't happen you know, this this whole thing is is not a great human skill, predicting our future emotions. So, um, you know, and 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 and, uh, and 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 all those all those clouds swirling around of of uncertainty, and you know, uh, this this will make me whole. This will make me fulfilled. This one, but it is. I think it, it is a search for happiness or self or both or or even just an end to the crap going around our heads <laughs> you know this is the one thing I, 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 I'd, uh, I'd love your, your thoughts on is, is that we 
the story in my head was not true, right? So we, 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 we keep on, everybody's encouraging people to share the stories, share their stories. And me too, you know, I ask people about their stories all the time. Um, and yet the story in my head about my birth mother was completely false. So if, if I'm just regurgitating a story that isn't true, then it kind of puts me in, It, it seems to be rather fruitless, um, a, a, a fruitless um, thing to be doing. Can can you help me make sense of that? Yeah, I I think I think a fantasy is a part of the human condition, right? Um, and to strip us from that, um, the, yeah, that doesn't make sense, right? I I do a workshop for adoptive parents on talking with children about adoption. And I use this analogy that I grew up, it's my, I call it my princess and prostitute analogy. So at different stages in my life, depending, it was, it was very dependent on my developmental stage and what I knew about the world around me, right? So when I was very little, it was the fantasy was my birth mother was a princess like literally a princess in Colombia. She was busy running the country and she didn't have time to take care of these two active, busy girls. So she had to go and find somebody that would help, right? There was this very fairy tale, very princess-like. And then I grew up and I started watching, seeing things in the media and seeing the world differently. And, um, and then I, in my mind, I thought, oh, the only people who lose their children to adoption are drug drug addicts and abusers and um, you know people who are homeless and all of the, or all of these horrible things, right? So then my fantasy it was still a fantasy, right? It just wasn't a positive yeah. one, but yeah. my fantasy turned into the I would envision my birth mother laying on the side of the street with a needle hanging out of her mouth who and she had just OD'd and she had foam coming out of her mouth because that's the image that we see of when people OD, right? Um, and that she was and that she was prostituting. Her profession was that she was a prostitute um, to, to make a living. And when I talk to parents about that, I say to parents, are either one of those anywhere close to the reality? in my in my in my life no it wasn't and I have actually I know of a woman who um did a search found out that she was the princess of a, a community um in um in her country um I don't remember it's a country in Africa um but that she found out that she was a pr princess right and then um and then I know somebody else who has found out that they they did have a, a birth mother who was a prostitute and who was addicted right the, the extremes do exist but the reality is 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 that most of us exists somewhere in the middle of all of that, right? So why are we allowing children to fantasize in these extremely unhealthy ways when we all we, all we really need to do is help them unpack their stories so that by the time they're 
18 or off on their whatever age, magic age it is that we think that children are ready to conquer the world by themselves, which we know 18 is not the age. Um, you, I ask any person that I know. No, it's, it's, 18, it's 18 and a half, isn't it? It is, oh, oh, the half, yes, yes, there, there you go. Um, that's where we went wrong. <laughs> um, so, so and, and what I say to parents, it is your job to help your child break down those stereotypes and for them to launch into adulthood without Im imagining either one of those, right? And that there is a reality. Most parents do have a, maybe even just a little bit of information of why the child went into care or some speculations. And those speculations are usually not one of these two extremes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, have you heard of Byron Katie? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm listening to one of her books uh, at the moment. And, you know, the, the big question is, is it true? Right. Doing the work. Is it true? Um, and um, there's more to it than is it true? There's four questions around that. And uh, they, uh, the, the, I'm, I'm, this is the second book that I've read of hers. The first book was a little less. Uh, a little bit more psychological and this is a little bit more spiritual and i'm 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 mm. I, I'm, I, I'm at home more with that side of the stuff the, the, the kind of more spiritual take on this um but so yeah is it true and you know we've got these yeah that's the fundamental thing is the story is the story to what extent is the story in our head true mm. to, to what extent uh I mentioned this yesterday when I did a recording yesterday and I picked it from somebody else, you know, are we listening to CNN or is it the comedy channel or is it the horror channel? I guess there's the horror channel, you know, like um, that, that, that is one of the biggest questions out there. Or, or, and a bigger question, I heard somebody reminded me of this, listening to, to something today uh, and apparently it wasn't Einstein that said it, the biggest question of all, is the universe a friendly or an unfriendly place? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Big questions. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to close off with, Astrid? Just thank you. Thank you for holding this space. Thank you for the work that you're doing in, uh, in bringing adoptees and giving them that platform that we're talking about. Uh, I think this work is uh, so important and, and it's emotional and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's, um, it's so rewarding to be able to sit with another adoptee and to think that you and I talked about this, to think, I mean, as, as much as the pandemic has brought so much heartache and hardship and, and death and sadness, um, it, it has also brought this, things like this possible. And, uh, and I, how grateful I am that you reached out. And uh, so thank you. And folks can, you know, yeah, I don't know if you put information on where folks can reach me. Uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I, um, and the other thing that uh, just letting your community know that uh, it, to learn more about Adoption Mosaic, you can visit our website, you can learn about that. Um, 
We are always looking for adults, adoptees who are um, wanting to share their experiences and their stories um, with the community. And we have a, a program called We the Experts uh, Adoptee Speaker Series, which Simon, next year you're going to be on. We've been talking about that and excited for that. Uh, so yeah, just let's let's stay in community and stay keep talking. Yeah. So uh, as always, listeners, I, I don't always mention this, right? Every episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast has show notes. It's the jargon, apparently, show notes, and the show notes are uh, links to the, the links to the um, if the if the guest has a website. Obviously, Ashley has a website for adoption mosaic. There's always links to their website if they've got them, and there's also links to them uh, to their social media channels, so you can connect them with uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and there's usually a bio as well. So if I can if I can harvest a bio um, from the from the uh, from a, a guest's website, then I I do that as well, and um, so go and check like Astrid stuff like you know i was talking earlier on about people i i i was talking earlier on about me being um attached to making a difference when astrid shared with me uh how much she's got going on and when i saw how when i when it figured out how long the uh the 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 wait is for this uh for, for, for being involved in this program Astrid's got a lot of people doing, you know, a, a lot of people doing a lot of different things with her. And I consider her as a, a real leader in this space. And I'm not blowing anything up anybody's. Uh, uh, so do I would urge you to check out what she's doing because she, like, I'm figuring, what's she doing? You know what's she, what's she doing? What's she doing? And I, because I'd like to be doing, I'd like to be doing more. I'd like to be making more impact. So thank you very much, Astrid, and um, we will talk uh, very soon. And maybe you can come on later in the year. We can talk about that legacy stuff that you were. Yeah. You know, that oh, we I, love, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Absolutely. So uh, stay tuned for that, listeners. And uh, in the meantime, we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Astrid, once again. Bye. -bye.